Welcome to Horror and More with Anya Gore. I am your horror mistress and your host, Anya. Tonight with me, I have the wonderful model, Andy Weil. Hello, Andy. How's it going, everybody? Tonight, we're going to talk about a new topic to this podcast platform, and it's not going to be the first time we talk about mental health, but we're starting it off tonight with something that is near and dear to both Andy and I, and that is anxiety or generalized anxiety disorder. So to start it off, I'm going to quickly give you guys the definition difference between anxiety and generalized anxiety disorder, which I am thus forward going to call GAD because it's a tongue twister. Every it time is. I say generalized anxiety disorder, yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah. GAD's good. It's GAD, 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 GAD. So <laughs> normal anxiety, quote unquote normal, um, is related to a specific situation or a problem. It lasts only as long as the situation. It is proportional to the problem or it's a realistic response to a realistic problem or situation. So, you know, you feel anxious about something that's usually an end result of something. Right. But GAD, it can come on unexpectedly. The anxiety is a response to a situation or problem, but it may be much stronger than they would expect. They may experience a lot of unrealistic anxiety, such as fear of a situation that will likely never happen. It may last for a long time, even when the situation or problem has been resolved. It may feel impossible to control or manage, and you may avoid situations or things that you believe to trigger anxiety symptoms. So the reason Andy is here tonight is because Andy has anxiety. Yes. Or GAD. Or GAD, sure. I have GAD completely. I've been diagnosed with it and I've been on medication for a long time, but we're going to talk about that later. So everybody, I think at some point in their lives has experienced anxiety. And I will also preface this episode by saying we are not doctors. No. We only are speaking from our place of experience in our lives. That's right. And we're trying to just get the word out to people that either don't know about this or that can relate to our symptoms or can relate to how we feel and are listening to this going, I know somebody that feels that same way. And this is just meant to, to educate you in real terms, not clinical scientific terms but terms of people that feel this being relatable yeah Yeah, just knowing that there are other people out there that feel the same way and I think now more than ever there is a lot of people out there feeling this way and people maybe that have not experienced this um, to such a degree before experiencing it more now than ever because of quarantine and just because of how much our lives have changed and we're all trying to adapt to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely come out and become more prevalent these days for sure. Yeah. But Andy, I want you to start off by talking to me about your anxiety. So my anxiety, I would say, is mostly 
related to a traumatic event. So it's more of a post-traumatic response to something that I dealt with or a few events that I dealt with in my youth and in my past. Um, so I feel like when I think about my anxiety, I think about it like it had a beginning. It started from something. It came from an event is how I generally like to characterize my anxiety. I know that's different for you. Yes. Yeah, I feel like I've had my anxiety my whole life. I don't remember a moment of not feeling this continuous loop of obsessive compulsive anxious thoughts. Right. And it's different for everybody, obviously. Sometimes there is a, a, a trigger point and sometimes there isn't. Um, and if you're listening to this right now, you're probably starting to wonder, wait a minute, do I have a, a moment where it started to? And ultimately, it doesn't really matter where or when it started. No. What matters is finding a way to manage through it. So how do you manage there's a lot of things that I do to manage and there's a lot of things that I don't do to manage that I should do <laughs> as we all have. Right. So for me, it's all about my lifestyle. I'm always going to feel anxious. There's always going to be those thoughts that creep in, but what I do in my environment, the, um, the things that I choose to do that are healthy for my body, help me deal with those moments better. Um, so I do things like yoga and meditation. Um, I also feel like my diet is a huge, huge contributor to my mood and can help me one, get out of a funk or can also help me get in a big funk <laughs> depending upon what I'm putting into my body. Um, for my anxiety, I did try a bit of medication once, didn't give it that much of a go to be perfectly honest. Um, and I rely mostly on cannabis to get me through the really tough, anxious symptoms when they do come, um, as well as a combination of just CBD oil as well. Um, so, and there's obvious differences between those. Um, so I think those are mostly the things that I will do for myself that are the most healthy exercise, yoga, meditation is a big one. Diet is a big one. And then, you know, other things to help combat those moments where you feel like you, you know, nothing else is going to work in those moments. So I will smoke some pot or, you know, something like that. And everyone else will, everyone will have their own ways of dealing with things, but those are generally mine. Okay. So what would you say, aside from the post-traumatic stress that you went through, mm -hmm. what are your um, anxiety triggers these days? Huh, like everything, <laughs> life, like the rest of us. I think just the pressures of um, trying to keep it all together, being a mother, as you know, and I am a single mother, and my eldest has a disability, so there's always 
things in the back of my mind where I'm like, no, you can't, you can't fall apart. You're not allowed to, you have too many people that are relying on you and too many things to do in the day. And, um, that's definitely avoidance for sure of how you feel and, and whatnot. But I would say that my biggest triggers is just my own headspace. As soon as I get negative about the externals in my life, and what I'm doing or what I'm not doing, that's the biggest trigger for me. It's always, it's me. It's not, it's not really other people around me. Um, it's just, it's just me. It's just always there. And mm. when those thoughts creep in, then I'm triggered. And then everything else around me kind of gets affected by that. Right. It's like a trickle effect. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not necessarily any one person saying or doing or treating me anyway. It's more, it more just comes from inside. Right. Yeah. It's just kind of always there. And it's when I let those thoughts start to affect me that it then affects my external environment. Right. Okay. Yeah. So one of the, the big things that seems to be a common denominator when I talk to anybody with anxiety, especially in, in BC, <laughs> is cannabis. And um, anybody listening to this, if you're from the U.S., I don't know if you live in a state where it's legalized, but it's legalized here. And I don't really know the details of the legalization here um, because I myself am not a user. And it's not because I don't like it. I do. <laughs> F-cut. <laughs> I got love for the cannabis. I do. I love me some edible gummies. Um, <laughs> if I didn't have kids, they would be more in rotation in my world. Right. But, um, yeah, I, uh, so I can't really speak to the details of that. But I do know that CBD oil is a huge, huge common thing here for people that struggle with anxiety. Yes. So I know that you know a little bit more about that. Yeah, so CBD is the portion of cannabis that has no psychoactive properties. So you cannot get high from straight CBD oil. Um, but it has so many beneficial properties to it. It is an anti-inflammatory, which means it reduces swelling in the body. Um, it's an anti-seizure medication, so it's helped a lot of people deal um, with with that, with seizures. And Do they also give it to animals? I actually am not too sure don't know. about that. Because no. you hear about dogs having seizures and stuff. I wonder if... Well, I know they give it to children, so... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, it's been really, really oh, positive. Totally, Positive totally. outcomes for kids. Yeah, and then it's also a powerful analgesic, which means a pain reliever. So there's a lot of people with um, fibromyalgia and other sorts of chronic pain conditions um, that use CBD oil and have a lot of relief from it. Hmm. Um, so CBD is a part of cannabis. So when you smoke cannabis or take it in any other form, there are many forms now, um, you're getting that CBD. So you're getting some of those effects, um, as well as you're getting the psychoactive properties of the THC, which is the other component, which is the component that gets you high. Hmm. So there are people out there that just have no interest in 
getting high at all or feeling anything like that and don't like that feeling. And that's why CBD oil is such an amazing thing for people because they don't have to worry about the negative effects, the negative connotations that cannabis has. They can just forget about that and feel free to use something that actually works for them. So I know there's a lot of people that find a lot of benefit from it for sure. Um, I know that I give CBD oil to my son. Um, my son has autism, so he struggles a lot with different forms of anxiety than anything I'm really um, familiar with from my own personal experience, but he has OCD and he deals with a lot of things like that. And CBD oil is sometimes the difference between him being able to talk to me and not talk to me. So <laughs> it's definitely a big component in my life for lots of different reasons, not just for myself. Mm. That's great. It, um, so does he take it daily then? Yes, he takes it regularly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's talk about a little bit about, um, his autism and your anxiety. Sure. And is that a trigger? Ah, uh, that's a hard one to say. I think my trigger for my anxiety comes from seeing his struggle and not necessarily always being able to help him in those moments. Right. And then, and then also the feeling of like worrying about something in myself that seems so minor compared to what my child goes through, you know? So in some ways it helps me. It helps focus my mind a little bit on like what's important. Right. And you know, how important is my struggle when you look at your child? You know what I mean? Like it's, it makes it, it just doesn't matter anymore, <laughs> you know, for a moment at least for right. a moment. Right. So it can take you out of that. That's how I feel about it anyways. I also feel like I learn a lot about my anxiety from watching him. Because his anxiety it comes from a different place, hmm. but the response is still there. So I see how certain things in his environment affect his ability to control his actions and control his anxiety and things like that. Whereas for me, it's all, it's all in my head first. And I'm like, okay, well, come on now. Like, you can figure that out if your son is out here dealing with all these things in his environment. Mm. You don't have to deal with that. So let's rein it in a little bit here and just think about, you know. So that definitely helps me. And in some ways, he is therapy for me. He is, like, a bit of a medication for me in a way. Interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, there's also tons of hard moments. Obviously, every time he's melting down and it's easy to go into your head, but... I don't have time to worry about myself in those moments. Right. Right. Because you're focused on him. Yeah. Right. So it stops me from going too far in my own head. So what exactly, so let's talk about autism for a little bit. Okay. What exactly is autism? If you're, if you're talking to someone who doesn't really actually know. Okay. So autism is a, so autism spectrum disorder, ASD is a neurological disorder. It is a broad range of conditions. It affects 
all people differently, but it's characterized by certain challenges with social skills, uh, repetitive behavior, speech and language issues, and communication issues. Those are like, that's like breaking it down to its simplest, simplest form. Having said that, like I said, every single person who has um, any sort of autism touches of or, you know, a, you know, there's, it's a broad spectrum. So there's a lot of kids out there that are super high functioning and you almost wouldn't even know mm -hmm. unless you were in there with them in their intimate moments, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's other kids where it's hard not to know, you know what I mean? Right. And it's all more obvious physically or they're you know they're making movements or sounds or something doing something where it's like oh there that's it it's right. tangible people can see it but there's so many symptoms um of autism that people don't see hmm. and there's so many people out there that have it and you wouldn't even know you have no idea so what would be some of the symptoms because you know I don't know very much about autism yeah. myself. So when I, as somebody who doesn't really know very much, I know I things like, um, like you said, repetitive. Yeah, repetitive behavior that comes from OCD. So, right, would that also be the rocking? Yes, that all, anything that is soothing as um, a way of dealing with that anxiety. So uh, repetitive speech, repetitive movement, um, just the way that they organize things in their life, in their head, their thoughts, just the way those those things are organized is very different mm -hmm. than, you know, a typical person's brain, I guess. This is just me seeing it through my child. Right. I don't have that same struggle, so I'm only seeing it through a six-year-old's eyes at this point. Right. So it's definitely <laughs> learning. A little different. Little yeah. Different. Yeah, for sure. But what I, what I find really interesting about mental health and like CBD, for example, I almost feel like we sound a little bit like an ad for CBD. Possibly. Pro, pro CBD. I'm all for it. So <laughs> yeah, let's do it. It's so many different people can take it for their ailments. Mm -hmm. And because it doesn't have that high effect, it affects so many people in different ways. Mm -hmm. But there's no negatives, it seems. There really is very, very few negatives. Yes, there are negatives with straight cannabis because it has psychoactive properties. It gets you high, just like alcohol gets you drunk, just like drugs get you high, whatever. Sugar. Right? <laughs> Sugar is the most addictive thing out there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anything can be addictive and has those qualities, but it does distort distort, you know, reality in mm -hmm. some way, which mm -hmm. we're all trying to find, you know, people do it with alcohol all the time. It's mm -hmm. hard for me to see people see them so differently. I, I don't, except for I see the benefits of cannabis where I don't see any benefits of alcohol yeah. at all. There are none, but it well, can that's taste, not totally it can true. taste it good. It tastes good. I don't know. Someone told me once that having a glass of wine every day was good for you. So, <laughs> but regardless of all of that, there's just still a lot of, you know, 
stigmas attached there is, to it. Big yeah. time. And because it's not legal in all countries, and we're speaking probably to a lot of people right now where it's not legal or fully legal or fully accepted. And so people will roll their eyes or look at you differently or think something of you. But I mean, that's all perception and that will change if people want it to change. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, so let's, let's talk to the people who, where it isn't legal. And okay. let's let's talk about anxiety or GAD in terms of, let's say you've got medication you can take like I do, or you don't mm-hmm. take medication. And um, and so I can speak to the medication and what it's done for me. Mm-hmm. But what what would you recommend to people out there for somebody who has anxiety or GAD and what they can do to kind of figure out how they can get through their daily, you know, th- their moments of I don't know. Anxiety. If you figure it out, can you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know what that magic pill is. I guess I just, I think about the people who have gone to their doctors and their doctors, people who have gone to their doctors and their doctors say to them, or... Oh, you're just feeling emotional. The, mm-hmm. the you're just feeling emotional thing. I have heard so many times in my life. Or, oh, no, that's just Anya. That's just her. Yeah. She's just being emotional again. And it's so dismissive. And, yeah, you know, there's so many people out there that don't get the help because that's they're afraid that that's the kind of mm-hmm. attitude they're going to be met with or they are met with that. Mm-hmm. And it really deters them from going back and getting more help. And So what do you recommend to people? How can they... I think that if you find that you've reached out and that you've been met like with a wall like that, with someone saying, oh no, you're, you're fine. Everyone, everyone's sad. Everyone's sad right now. Everyone's anxious from time to time. Everyone feels like that (laughs) sometimes. You'll be okay. You know, when you're met with someone like that, just move on and talk to the next person because not everyone's going to be like that. And eventually you will find someone who you can actually talk to about your stuff and who might actually understand. And I don't know a lot of doctors coming from someone that's worked in healthcare for 15 years. (laughs) I don't know a lot of doctors that would actually just be like, you're fine. Take a bath. I know a lot of friends and family that would say that, that would say that yeah but if you're feeling like you don't know where to go go to your doctor they're not just gonna send you away and tell you not to worry they won't they will offer you some sort of help they will offer you at least a start at least a conversation if nothing else well that's the interesting thing is i find doctors are more sensitive to it now mm-hmm you know, when I started my journey of getting help for my unknown at that time, Gab, I just knew that I was crying all the time. I was struggling. I, I wasn't able to stop my obsessive compulsive thoughts and stuff. And I remember going to talk to my doctor about this at that time. And they gave me this questionnaire and I didn't answer it honestly enough. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was met with you know, kind of, oh, well, you know, you'll be fine. This is just, you're going through a lot. And, but I mean, this was also a long time ago. And so I think a big part of it is being honest about the anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. I struggle with that myself and I'll be completely honest with that because you, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say it too much, but 
the pressures of being a woman and being a mother are are difficult enough and admitting that you have trouble dealing with things is incredibly hard to do um, and I do struggle with that when I'm at my worst I'm the worst at asking for help when I'm at my worst and we all feel that way but that's when you really need to push and just know that there is someone out there that you can talk to if you need to there's always someone there doesn't have to be someone that you know specifically mm -hmm. if you don't have that person that you can turn to in your life there is another option there always is another option it's true I think that's important to know because when you feel that way you feel alone you could be told a million times that there's a million other people out yeah. there like you but when you're going through that because you're so out of control mm -hmm. and you feel like so lost and helpless and hopeless helpless you feel alone mm -hmm. you feel alone in that moment and so just I think just digging yourself out and just reminding yourself that no you are not and that there is an option is the biggest thing yeah, that lack of control and the hopelessness mm -hmm. and the helplessness that's in itself can, can be consuming. That's right. Yeah. You know, when I, when I started, um, my getting help journey, I was pushing away all of my relationships, my best friends, my now husband, and it was almost like this destructive, I need to push you away before you hurt me. Because why wouldn't you hurt me? I'm, why? Mm -hmm. I'm not deserving. That's right. <laughs> and so you, you, you do. Your relationships can be affected by it. And I was crying every day. And I was catastrophic. Catast can't even say it right. Make, catastrophizing everything. And everything was this massive conspiracy against me right and it just felt like the world kind of was out to get me and then I would become obsessive about that I would start thinking about everything and I, I would obsess about it being negative and I would obsess about obsessing <laughs> yeah I obsess about obsessing all the time all the time the it is that. it is it's this loop this ever ever going loop in your brain and for me specifically, I, I went to my doctor crying because I was planning my wedding. I was going to school. I was working full time and it was just too much. And I remember her looking at me and just saying, we're going to get you on something. And at that time I was taking something that did work for a brief period of time. And oh man, when it did help me, it was life changing. I went from obsessing to not obsessing in the circle anymore. It would be the same obsession but it would be a glimmer of a thought and then it would be gone and I would be on to the next thing, which I felt relief. I felt a pressure mm -hmm. lift from my shoulders, this cloud that went from being black and dark to being puffy and white. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> and then I remember thinking, like, how am I not obsessing about this? And normally that would be an obsessive thought it would go yeah but it would be gone and from there that I just I was like I'm never going to be off of anxiety medication at all and then I ended up having some reactions to that medication so I went and went on the one that I'm on now and um I will never go off of it never 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 because I will never go back to that lack of control that 
obsessive compulsive loop because it is it can be debilitating and it can just consume your life and i yeah. mean it can it, it can, makes you do nothing it can make you do like nothing yes and but it can also it can want to do nothing it can also make you spiral mm-hmm. you know like i remember i would walk around in my room just back and forth back and forth back and forth because i needed i felt like i needed to relieve some kind of this mm-hmm. vibrating pressure in my body and then from that because of everything i was going through at that time um after my daughter i ended up having uh, postpartum ocd slash depression but it was mostly ocd so i did another episode on that one go check that episode out i think i called it uh why you want to listen to me (laughs) 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 i looped it in i looped it in with my uh, postpartum ocd (laughs) but um trying to let everybody know you know i want to talk about these these hard to talk about topics but so many people experience them and i think shying away from talking about this stuff is not to anybody's benefit Mm -hmm. it is to all of our detriment and you know sometimes people just need to hear someone else talking about it and knowing that there is hope out there knowing that you know you don't have to feel debilitated and consumed by this there's a lot of things out there that make us feel like we shouldn't feel this way and you know like it's it's somehow makes us a bad person because we can't control our feelings or our thoughts Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of people out there that brush it off you know as to like oh well you just need to be stronger you just need to be a stronger person if you are stronger Mm -hmm. you could handle this well it's not it's a chemical imbalance in the brain Mm -hmm. it's not it doesn't have to do with your ability to handle situations in your life and it's not conditional to what you've been through Mm -hmm. it's not that's why it affects everyone differently because Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you came from what your situation was what your trauma was when it started if it started it all affects us the same way in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody that knows what we're talking about has it. And you you need to figure out a way to get relief because if it is debilitating in your life, there is relief. There is. Even though we don't believe there is. It's one thing, it's funny because they implemented Mental Health Day and where you could take a break if you needed a day from your work and you weren't sick, physically ill with the flu, but you could be off work because you were sick, (laughs) you know? (laughs) The irony. But it's like (laughs) one day. One. This is is what you get, like a sick day. (laughs) So I get to be, sorry for my language, fucked up in my head for 24 hours on a Tuesday and mm-hmm. not go to my nine to five and oh yeah, you better be better the next day. <laughs> right. That's how it works. Well, hopefully this, this generation <laughs> will be woke and we'll get a little bit more time going forward. Maybe. Hey, <laughs> not just time, but just like a different way of approaching it. Yes. It's, I agree. There's no band-aid solution where 24 hours is going to help someone. <laughs> 24 hours would be enough to acknowledge that you need more time. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
just enough time to pick up the phone and make a doctor's appointment, but then you gotta get there. That's true. So it's a challenge, it's not easy. None of it's easy. So it's a challenge, it's not easy. None of it's easy. Healing and feeling anxious and feeling bad is easy. That's easy. It's not easy to take. It's not easy on you, mm -hmm. but it's easy to avert to that and go back to that and to stay there. Well, especially if it's all you've known or it's all you've known for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely true. So it's easy to get into those ruts and those patterns of just brushing it off yourself and pushing it down and pushing it down and not dealing and not talking about it. And that's what we're here to change, I hope. Me too. On some level, if anyone's listening that's that can relate in any way, anything that we've said, if you can take anything away from it, it's just that you're not alone. Just take away that you're not alone. Well, and, and like you said earlier, I mean, knowing you're not alone is one thing. When you're in the middle of a moment, knowing you're not alone isn't helpful no. in that moment. But, you know, you got to you gotta. Find a way to go and get the help that you deserve. Yeah. Because every human deserves to feel relief of anything that you are completely trapped by. Yeah. And anything like GAD or anxiety, it has its hold on you. You know, like we were talking about earlier, I kind of made this comparison and I... I hope it was helpful for you. <laughs> so I'm hoping it's helpful for someone else out there. But I compare it to sort of like sugar, right? You, when it, when it it's in your body, it's got its little tentacles inside of you. Mm -hmm. You know, you, on the outside, you're like, it's easy enough to say, oh, just don't eat it anymore. Or you have anxiety. Oh, well, just, you know, go get help. Go do this. Mm -hmm. You know, or just take, take a break stop stop being so upset or whatever but ultimately at the end of the day you actually are the only person that has the control to change that to stop eating the sugar to stop feeling like you are out of control because of this thing that is happening in your body with anxiety it's up to you to find a way that works for you and with some people it's medication. With some people, it's meditation or eating better or changing, you know, your daily activity. Like, it's just, this is my plea to those people that are ever in that kind of obsessive, compulsive, overwhelming thought to get help because it is out there and the relief is there. Like especially if you've got kids or you've got anybody that relies on you, mm -hmm. you know, you become so fixated sometimes on that anxiety that it really can take away from your relationships. Yeah. It can take away from the help that you need to give to other people. I mean, you know, I can't even imagine what it would be like to have anxiety and to be a caregiver mm -hmm. full time or yeah. a doctor or, you know, I can't imagine that there are many doctors out there actually, like surgeons that have obsessive compulsive disorder and don't take <laughs> something for it. <laughs> Whoa, what's he doing on the operating table right now? He's just pacing around. <laughs> Got to count the light 80 times. Like, you know. He's just <laughs> dabbing that blood spot 50 times. No big deal. We'll get out of here eventually. <laughs> you know. Suture him one more time. One I more time. One more Make time. sure it's six, not five. Yeah. <laughs> 
gonna be that even number of sutures. I mean, <laughs> we we laugh about this because we experience anxiety, yeah. but but really though, it's not. Funny. <laughs> it's not funny. No, we're not trying to make light of this topic. No, but we are trying to make it relevant to people's lives because that's the most important thing is just realizing that it can touch anybody in anybody's mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor and you make lots of money or it doesn't matter if, you know, you're on the streets. Everyone is affected by mental health. And they can't, yeah, 100%. Everyone has a different story that got them there, a different path, but we all are dealing with the same thing. Mm-hmm. Same yes, shit, yeah. different pile. That's right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. <laughs> She's Do like, it. oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> and I think I did this last time, so you're probably going to remember the movies that we talked about. I already don't you, remember. You don't remember. At all, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Oh, we should do, we, and, yeah, and I, we should down. talk, we should talk about what we mean. And Andy and I have tried to, to record this episode a few times. Yes. There's been have. a couple technical glitches yes. and, um, but this time it's working well. And, uh, and so one of the times previously I had asked her if there were any movies that came to mind that just instantly gave her anxiety. And so I guess she needs a minute to try to remember them. I don't even know that I came up with movies. I'm pretty sure I didn't even come up with any titles. Maybe you didn't. You just talked about a feeling. Yeah. Because I don't know that I can think of any titles. I never used to like watching horror movies. They used to give me a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Now that I have anxiety, I enjoy watching them <laughs> because it's like I have control over how I feel where most of the time I do not. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say that I necessarily get triggered for my own anxiety from watching horror movies. It's more almost the opposite. I enjoy watching them now because I feel like that's fictional. That's not, you know, like that's... Mm -hmm. It's fantasy, it's not real, it's not tangible to life, but the feeling that it gives me, I have control over that. I know where it's come from, and I know it's going to end as soon as the movie's over, or as soon as that scene is over, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. It's also it is. a little release. It is. It yeah. almost feels good. Yeah. It's almost like a bit of a drug now, whereas I used to not like them at all they used to just scare me when I was a child I never liked horror movies at all and now I'm like oh, I'm all about them and <laughs> now it's like part of my world so yeah it's well, interesting uh, there you go as a takeaway if you aren't going to get help just watch lots of horror movies yeah you'll get little moments of release yeah <laughs> it is good therapy. clean fun right is there um a, is there a certain type of horror movie slasher paranormal? I would say more paranormal. Anything that like really makes you think and mm. kind of like f's up your head a little bit, and it's like, uh oh, where did that come from, or how is that possible, or like you know, those, oh, if those I remember, ones. wasn't The Exorcist in your top three? The Exorcist is in my top three. Yeah, of favorite movies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that would be that would kind of explain that. Yeah. Give you kind of yeah the anxiety feelings. Yeah, but then other things too, like um, any movies where someone is like buried alive mm -hmm. or anything like that because I do have a bit of like claustrophobia and whatnot and something like that. So anything where someone is like restricted or held against their will is going to make me 
feel something mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. but again, I know it's not real. Mm-hmm. I know I have control over it. So in the end, it's a good feeling. Afterwards, it's a good feeling. Well, that reminds me. I meant to ask you, for anybody um, on Instagram, go back and check our pictures. We did a shoot together recently where you were buried in a suitcase and mm-hmm. I was literally carrying you around mm-hmm. and yeah you're a tiny girl but damn that was not light no I was <laughs> dead weight yeah. I was pretending yeah. to be dead I was really in there was you it were triggering dragging me around no no that was all. all good I'm so safe I feel so safe when I'm working with you guys when I'm with my girls and mm-hmm. we're on set mm-hmm. and there's no I, I mean especially Mel is always the first one to be like, is this okay? Is everything okay? <laughs> She's so sweet. And then same with you. Like every time I'm your victim, you're like, we're all good here. Is everything good? <laughs> but we know we're good. Yeah, we do know we're good. Because we know what we're doing. We at least have some sort of a plan. It always kind of like goes somewhere else. But we always have some sort of a plan. And uh, we are safe. We know we're safe. It's our safe space. It's. And a lot of that is therapy for mm-hmm. us as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When you don't feel like you have a lot of that in your life, it is therapy when you get to get together and and feel like you're creating something, whether it be something dark or seemingly dangerous, when you know you're safe and you're in that safe space, you feel good. Because you're with people that you know have your back and feel the same way, right? 100%. So that's how I feel. You guys have put me in some pretty precarious <laughs> situations and challenge positions. accepted we're gonna um, have to keep yeah. keep having you face yeah. all your fears yeah for sure <laughs> we're just waiting for that moment where i'm like no <laughs> that's the line there's Folks. the line we haven't found the line yet well we have not, have not found the line that's true <laughs> that's haven't. true we have not <laughs> hey melissa if you're listening let's yes. find the line let's find the line we gotta find the line <laughs> oh boy yes but i think also um, the first time that we recorded this, we didn't mention one thing that I really wanted to mm. mention. So mm-hmm. I don't know how close we are to closing out, but I do want to mention that like we were talking about reaching out for help is a big thing. And there are a couple of avenues for people out there. Um, the mental health helpline 811, just dialing 811 on your phone, which is health like BC can get you connected to a mental health professional so easily, or even just a chat line. Someone is there to always listen if you need someone to talk to. To always listen if you need someone to talk to. If you're having dark thoughts, call someone. Mm-hmm. Call 811, make the call, or go. There's an app now, which is amazing for people. It's called bridgethegap.ca. Um, so it's a website, but it's also an app. Um, that you can download on your phone and it's just a great resource for people. There haven't been necessarily things, enough things like that in the past. I think people are starting to really figure out that the hardest thing to do when you have mental health issues is ask for help. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So having it be as easy as possible for people is a huge piece of the puzzle. Well, I know you, you, you can even hop online, you can go visit doctors online, you, you can, can type it instead of even having to talk to them on the phone. Yeah. 
I mean, now... Post-COVID, it's a lot easier oh, for people. Well, I was just going to say, in this COVID world right now, because there's more limitations, if if you're going to ask for help and you're embarrassed at all, now is the best now time to do it. Time, yeah. Because you are so far removed, but mm-hmm. the help is not not as available. And then a lot of people, their depression stops them from leaving their house, mm-hmm. you know, and now that isn't a barrier that will stop you from getting help. That's right. Whereas in the past, it absolutely was. If you didn't walk into a doctor's office and get your blood pressure tested and your weight and, <laughs> you know, your skin color assessed, <laughs> yeah. then you couldn't be assessed as depressed. <laughs> but now you can. That's true. From the comfort of your own home. That's true. <laughs> Well, and as we were saying earlier, it's almost like um, GAD shouldn't be called generalized anxiety disorder anymore because almost everybody has some kind of anxiety yeah. disorder. So it's almost it's like... It's the norm. It is the norm. It's just... Just gah. Just gah. Just gah. No duh. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was lovely tonight. Thank you so much for being part of the series yes. that is beginning. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. And so tell everybody, all your fans, do you have anything coming up? I mean, I know with the restrictions, things have been more limiting, but anything you want to share with anybody or talk about yourself on Instagram? Anything? Um, You know, I've been working really hard. I've been doing a lot of the fashion stuff, some horror stuff and fantasy stuff. I've been doing a lot. I feel like now is a time where I just need to, I'm, I'm learning a lot in different avenues, but I think right now I just need to focus actually on myself as we're talking about this episode. I think it's really important that I take a step back and I am taking a little break. I'm not going to be completely gone. I still do have a couple of projects that I'm working on in the next couple of months, but I'm not booking myself in for jobs. I'm just taking some breathers and taking some time for myself and reflection. I feel very lucky for what I've gotten to do for the past about 18 months. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I don't take any of it for granted and I'm not done. I'm not stopping. I'm just taking a breather and, um, just putting some other pieces back together before, you know, you don't want to, you can't neglect your life to go out and do things. You have to make sure you're taking care of you first. Well, mental health is this whole episode is about. Exactly. So important. Yeah. So, So. I mean, we do have, um, me and you both have Mm -hmm. a couple of things Mm -hmm. in the plans with Malevolent Productions, some uh, movie shorts, as well as some photography things. So there are some things that are going to pop up. I do also have a studio shoot coming up in the next month. Um, so there will be some things, um, but not as much, not as much. I need to just take a moment for myself. And I yeah, think maybe you are working a lot. Yeah. I have been working really hard and I don't want to burn myself out. And I think now is a good opportunity to put myself first and just kind of take that rest and relaxation that I need and spend some more time with my family, which I think is really important. Well, good. Yeah. Good. If you want to find, um, Andy on Instagram, your name? You can find me at Andrea underscore while underscore modeling. That's my Instagram handle. And you want to go check out um, this last shoot that she did with Jeremy Godrick. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Beautiful mystical creature. Yeah, that was you a fun one. Stunning. That was definitely a fun one. We had a good um, road trip 
to find the location for that. We were on the search for snow mm. and we missed it. There wasn't any, but we found a frozen lake and kind of did like this Elsa inspired thing. And Very was, Elsa inspired. Yeah, yeah, which was kind of fun. My daughter really liked that. So that was exciting to put out for her because not a lot of my stuff has been so much kid friendly. Yeah. So it was nice to have something that my kids could actually see. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, and that was fun. And it was very therapeutic and it was something that we all very much needed. So, and I was happy I got to do that with my best friend, Lisa Watson, as my makeup and hair artist for that and assistant on set. So that was lovely. I love working with her. That's always a good time. And Jeremy's a good friend of mine. And I will be working with him again in the future. We do have plans, um, but again, I'm not putting any dates out there. I'm just taking some time for me right now. I love hearing that. <laughs> and I really hope if anybody out there needs help, reach out. You know, reach out to one of us on Instagram if you just yes. need a moment of like, I need you to kick me in the butt and tell me I need help. Because both of us will say, yeah, you do. Get it. If you're asking, if you're thinking about it, get the help that you need. And... If you need to do what Andy's doing, take a step back for yourself. Yeah. It's important right now. We're all being forced to see a lot of our demons because we're, Ugh. you know, forced to be stuck in our own worlds. And it's it's eye-opening for a lot of us. So take Lovely a moment. Lots of ugly demons out there. Yes, definitely. <laughs>